0: Demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. He's gaining on you, so you better look alive. He's busy revving of the powerful Hawk And when the odds are against him and there's dangerous work to do, he makes your
1: life's eraser.
2: That should tell you what we are going to talk about today. <laughs> Wow. And not the and not the and uh, not the uh, Zaha- the uh, Wachowski monstrosity. No, 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 none of that. Uh, so Tim, Tim sitting in for Mark again. Mark is Mark's being a rock star. Mark, Mark's Mark on that sax
1: man <laughs> out there in the world making beautiful music for the people.
2: Uh, Mark, what, what did is, you tell me he did? He did. Mark uh, is with a band. Mark yeah. has joined a band. Next to no, be running away to the circus. Because yeah, you know, Mark comes over here
1: and we record every now and again. Yeah, and he's a better sax player than he. Let's on. Then, then he lets on. Yeah, he you is. Know, he, he, he is. He's very so.
2: self-deprecating about it. And uh, but yeah, so Mark picked up the sax again recently. I guess you know he was a he was a band geek in high school, playing the sax in the marching band or some such. And uh, he's actually gotten pretty good in recent years. He's doing the Woody Allen thing. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So he's with a band, yeah. and there were like ninety some bands playing at the Roxy uh, this last weekend. And Mark was uh, Mark was rocking it up on stage. So was, gonna... was it literally a battle of
1: the bands, I don't or know, just it,
2: a, a you know? I, think I a just str- some, a scrum of the bands I <laughs> think it was a scrum it was one of those showcase deals so uh yeah uh, <laughs> so we're we're very happy for Mark that he was able to do that French and- French chicks and saxophone <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what kind of music they play for I mean it was it, it was it jazz is it rock do we know Yeah, we, what's, we,
1: what's we, we, we we mostly did some jazz over here although I did have him uh do some riffs on Tom Brown's uh Jamaica funk for me
2: yeah yeah um, but you killed know, it right uh, yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it's uh, it, it, the best—the best sax solo I've ever seen. And this is going to be a completely weird and obscure reference that only anyone who any listeners in France will probably understand. So there's a there's a French rock star, French pop star named Jean-Jacques Goldman. It's been around for decades. Huge, huge deal in the '80s, '70s, and '80s when I when I was there in the '80s. Really, I mean, had an amazing album that was just all the rage. And uh, in about, and then he had another album. And he did a world tour in about eighty, like eighty-eight. I want to say eighty-eight, mm-hmm. and he finished his world tour at the Palace here in Hollywood. And I remember thinking, why would you finish your? Work? Well, there were a ton of Fre- there's a ton of French people in L.A. Yeah. You don't realize that There are like you know, well expats, a or... lot of expats here. They work for corporations, they work for the airlines, whatnot. I mean, a lot of French people here. So he wanted to do a little shout out to the Fran- the Francophile community in Los Angeles. So he ended his world tour at the Palace in Hollywood, which is awesome because if you saw him in Paris you would be like, you know, spending a million dollars and you'd be way back in the stadium with binoculars to see him. And I thought, but here, nobody knows who he is. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll get right up to the edge of the stage. I'll, be, I'll it'll be awesome and I'll pay like 25 bucks, you know, and it'll be it'll be amazing. And it was. It was exactly that. And his sax player was this little guy who was about like 5'4 or 5'3 or 5'5, five, five, something. He's just this little guy who could wail on the sax. And at one point, Right near the end of the show, little man starts killing the sacks. <laughs> Goldman wraps his arms around him, lifts him up, and starts twirling around on stage. <laughs> and it's just and, and 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 I just remember thinking that is the strangest and the most awesome <gasps> thing to do at the same time. He's uh. like holding the guy and he's spinning around on stage, you know yeah. and, and he's holding him like like he's his little like he's a little mini me, and this guy is just so killing sick. the sacks. he's just playing it. And He's being spun around like a like a top is fantastic. That's it was fantastic. really great. That's crazy, man. Anyway, that's my only sax story. So uh, you know what? Um, you're on Film Week this week. Uh, I was on the last two weeks. Yeah, that's a nice grind out of the way. Tell me about but, it. Uh, but uh, you know, we uh, we do have to make a quick mention, and uh, I, I almost hate to do this because Disney was so kind enough to send us this book, and the movie sucks. But we have Disney Pirates, the definitive collector's anthology by Michael Singer. Mm. As a foreword by Johnny Depp, this is obviously released uh, to coincide with the new Pirates movie, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But, that said, the book is really great. And it's not just about the Pirates of the Caribbean. It even gets, you know, it's like Peter 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 Pan and and Hook. yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, Disney pirates.
2: Disney pirates. All the pirates, and uh, it, it's it's really. I mean, it's obviously primarily all to to push the whole Pirates of the Caribbean thing. And there's a lot of stuff with on the new movie in it. But I I just I I find this to be a really wonderful full color uh, coffee table book with lots of great sketches and production artwork and nice behind the scenes stories in it. So even though the new movie sucks, yeah. Sorry, Disney. Uh, thank you for sending this to us. Yeah. And this is great. This That's is, I mean, this is an honest to goodness real look, coffee table book. It, 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 look, probably they should have d- done
1: two coffee table books and two less Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> yes. You save a lot of money. It'd be, yeah. another, but it'd be another great book out there. But no, they went. They were. Right but Wonder Woman's great. Yeah, so we were just talking about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Guy Aldo uh, in particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is very good. Patty Jenkins, of course. I mean, they're, they're, look, it's a movie. It's a big. It's it's a big. You know, summer movie, pre yeah. summer movie, spring movie, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And it's important for all of those reasons, right? So yep. fine. You know, yeah, we talk. You know, they're all super duper important. But then it's important on another level too. Yeah, that I think we have to acknowledge. Yeah. It has to do with the nature of that character. Mm-hmm. It has to do with Patty Jenkins, the director of the yeah. film, who, of course, directed uh, that Eileen
2: Warno movie. Yeah, like a, a decade ago, a decade you know, ago, that won, won the Oscar won, for, well, yeah, uh, for Charlie's.
1: And uh, so there are all kinds of things that maybe, you know, it's unfortunate that these things are hanging on the success of this movie, but they are. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so, you know, I think it's you know, it's, there, there it is.
2: It's that thing where, you know, yes, Pat, it's great that it I, I, here's here's how I kind of feel on this. So I think it's terrific that you have a, a female superhero movie directed by a woman. I think it's great that we now have a black superhero movie. It's being directed by a black guy. Mm-hmm. But I'll feel a lot better. When the next white superhero movie is directed by a woman or a black guy? A white son- male superhero yes. movie. Um, and by the same token when white guys are directing black superheroes and and when suddenly you know we're just getting the best directors. And, and to a certain extent on television this already happens. Oh absolutely you know, yeah. all those
1: superheroes. Oh, yeah. You, you see Thomas Carter and you see yeah. you see Mimi Leader, and you see yeah. all kinds of folks there uh the studio system you know handing people 150 200 million dollars of pop still haven't come around to that. No. Just you know and the you and I can name them we can Antoine Fuqua, uh, sure. uh, F Gary uh, you know Tim Storey but the fact that I can name them is, in fact, is, is the problem. If <laughs> yeah. I can name them all in one hand, yeah. yeah. And with women, you know, Patty Jenkins and Mimi.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, um, uh, who directed uh, that first Twilight film? Uh, oh yeah, but you uh, know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And so, but again, I can name them all. If yeah. I can name them all, we're not doing something right. Yeah. There. there you go.
2: So in any case, yeah, Wonder Woman, good. Uh, learned a lot from uh, the first Captain America and from the first Thor. Mm-hmm. And Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct the Thor sequel yeah. originally too. So, I mean, there's all of the, the mythical stuff and the flashback to a World War stuff, even though this is World War One, they, they they mix that up really nicely. And I, I think it's great. I think it's a terrific movie. And, of course, she'll show up in the Avengers movie a little bit later. What, the, fall, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, what is it? The, um, uh, uh, Justice League. Justice League movie. Yeah. yeah, the fall, fall movie. Is right. that this fall? I think it's this fall. Yeah. My goodness, she's yeah. coming back that soon? Can't yeah. get enough Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, the and I'll leave it with this before we dive into the DVDs. But the thing that I thought was most smart, and I brought this up on Film Week, is that even though the, you, the outfit, the Wonder Woman outfit, is the same, you look at it and you're like, that's Wonder Woman's outfit. You know, you don't think twice. But the subtle changes are really super smart. What Wonder Woman wore in the 1940s, mm-hmm. even though it looks the same, it's basically pin-up outfit. It's a bustier. Yeah, it was, it was, with, with a, what Betty what Betty Grable had on, on the, yeah. yeah. And and it's a bustier with a with a with a headband that's basically a tiara, mm-hmm. right? With a little point going. Well, that's
1: the same thing for uh, Linda Carter in the uh, yes. 80s.
2: Yeah. But what they've done here is they've taken that headband, and they've flipped it so it points down now. So mm-hmm. it almost like a, it's pointing into a nose guard thing, right? It comes from like it almost looks like medieval helmetry. I was going to say more Roman. And the skirt is sort of more like a Spartan warrior skirt, right? right? And the bustier now looks a bit more like a like a breastplate. So it looks the same, but those subtle costume changes. Make it completely different. Yeah. And uh, I think for that alone, whoever did the costume design really, really deserves an Oscar and, and
1: And insanely crucial because it would be very easy for a lot of folks to be beating this movie up yep. about just that. It, it, it's as important as when, when when Schumacher put those nipples on Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in, yeah. Back in mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Dude, you can't, you can't, <laughs> don't put nipples on the Wonder
2: Woman costume. Yeah, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, I was just watching that with uh, with my wife yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and and not because we wanted to but we were we we're looking for uh we're we're looking for snippets my my mother-in-law was an extra in at least one of the Batman movies so we were looking for snippets of her extra work trying to find it in the background because of a thing that I won't say mm. uh so that word doesn't leak back to her uh, well who cares we're throwing her a surprise party she doesn't listen to this <laughs> podcast so um uh anyway the uh and, and yeah the the only thing we could think watching that was my Goodness, this is a terrible movie, and I remember so well. I don't even know if you remember this, but we all walked out of that screening at the Village, mm-hmm. the Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. and everyone was dumbfounded, and everyone was walking out, and they were silent. And you broke the silence right on the sidewalk in front of the Village, and you said, "Well, I'll say this: that is filmmaking with reckless abandon." <laughs> I don't remember that, and I still remember that because I laughed the whole way home. That's the only. That was the kindest thing you could say about it. Joel, Joel. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, I got. We got a whole lot of animated to, to, to brush through here. So uh, I'll let you take a load off for a moment, and uh, I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna kick through this anime that has piled up, starting with Speed Racer, which is finally. Thank you, Funimation. Funimation. God bless you. You've put Speed Racer out on uh, on Blu-ray, and it is fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. Now, y- y- a lot of people probably bought the Speed Racer. Car back when it came out on DVD, the first Speed Racer release was a special edition. It came in a little plastic box. It's all form factored to look like the Mach Five, and that is now a full-on collector's edition. I get that you're gonna probably want to double dip. Nobody's really gonna want to get rid of the car mm. if you're a serious Speed Racer buff. But you got to double dip here. You got to get this. It's uh, it's all 52 episodes on fi- five discs, five Blu-rays. No DVD here. There's not a not a dual uh, a dual a dual deal. But it's uh, this is just a really really wonderful set, and it looks so good in Blu-ray. It looks so good. Um, you also have the uh, the English channel and the Japanese uh, channel, so you can listen to it in the original Japanese if you want. Pretty great. Uh, everything about this show still ages really really well. I uh, this is just one of the. I mean, this was the anime show that broke through here. And uh, it was when I was a kid, and I think it's still—it's still just amazing.
1: Yeah, it's still an uh, amazing show. Yeah, interesting. You're not a lot of look. It's—it's it, not the most forward-leaning show in terms of feminism, but no. Trixie, <laughs> Trixie, <laughs> Trixie had some yeah. backbone on her, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and you know, she didn't take any crap. And every now and again, you know, she and I'm she'd, sorry, she'd have to
2: save Speed's ass. I'm sorry the Wachowski movie didn't work better because. I've You know, the whole Racer X angle is just one of the great soap opera twists uh, of, of any show ever, animated or otherwise. You know, you know the, the brother you don't know is a brother who's looking over you. And yeah. it's just, it's it's a great, it's a great bit of tension. And um, I just, I maybe someday they can reboot it and really work that angle. Uh, speaking of live action adaptations of anime, we also have from Funimation, and almost all this is Funimation this week. So this is, uh, it's a lot of stuff we also have. Black Butler the movie which is a live action the Japanese are doing live action of as many of the uh, as much anime as they possibly can these days and uh Black Butler is you know it's all the rage right now as anime and they have done a live action version of it which is interesting because that's not the one I would normally have expected you know we're doing a few here like Ghost in the Shell mm-hmm. was recently made and a big fuss you know a- Char- yeah, Scarlett a- Johansson not Asian right all Kira, that stuff Akira coming around Akira is coming around um, the Japanese have done a whole bunch of things, you know, uh, uh, full metal alchemist and they, you know, they've, they've done a lot of live action things there too. Some of which work better than others. This is an interesting one cause it's not all kind of high tech and CGI and cyberpunky. They can, uh, they can actually make it a little bit more of a, of a movie. You know, it's not so obviously based in something that's animated and, and, and anime and, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I do feel like you still need to have a background in the anime to sort of understand the context of it. They don't; it's not quite a self-contained uh, thing, but it's it, it works. It works well enough. So um, the question I'm not sure is if you if you know Black Butler the animation, will that make you want to see this movie more than this would make you want to see the animation? Mm. And I don't have an answer for that. So maybe some people can tell us. Gods at digigods.com. Uh, and oh, and by the way, we're going to wrap the show out today. We should make mention. We're going to talk about uh, a little movie called Virus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is uh, that is out now on Blu-ray. And uh, Virus is a classic little old movie that happens to star a very good friend of ours. Yes, and uh, Sherman Augustus, who is uh, who is now all the rage on Into the Badlands. Oh uh, yeah, plays yeah. Moon. Yeah, he's killing it on TV. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Sherman and the director of Virus, John Bruno, who is a special effects legend, an actual
1: guru of special effects, like
2: literally, truly, yeah. his credits will blow your mind. I mean, he's this is a guy who has been in it forever, and James Cameron doesn't make a yeah. move without him.
1: If, if if James Cameron made a movie in the last thirty years and you and you saw something in it that blew your mind, that you Bruno did it, really, a, John Bruno figured out it. how to do that. You know, practical so, effects guy. He's a practical effects guy,
2: and Virus was his. A directing debut yeah so so we sat down for a good solid hour with uh, with Sherman and John Bruno and uh, went over all, all kinds of great stuff so we're going to put a snippet of that interview right at the tail of the show today and then for people who want to hear the whole thing look for that as a separate podcast uh, upload later this week we're going to pop that up later this week and uh, you'll be able to dig into that. So uh, quickly, a lot of other great stuff from Funimation. So we have My Hero Academia Season 1, Limited Edition. This is uh, a—almost all these are combo packs, unless I uh, tell you otherwise. This is a Blu-ray, DVD combo pack. Uh, And this is, uh, you know, kind of a a flip on the whole superhero thing uh, about a guy who is not a superhero, but he lives in a superhero universe, superhero environment. And uh you know, he's a teacher. So it's right, it's a, it's a little bit of an unusual uh twist. I don't find it terribly entertaining, but I, you know, I hear that it's uh, it's got a thing. Uh Kashi complete series is uh a little bit self-reflexive. This is about a guy who um Oh gosh, there's a twist to this, and I'm not gonna give it away. But it it's it takes place in the world of manga comic books. And um, I guess that's really all I can say about it. Uh Degashi Kashi. It's it's okay. That's all right. Uh, Valkyrie Drive, Mermaid, the complete series, is terrific. This is uh, this is a wonderful fantasy world. I'll sit around M- Mermaid Island. And uh, does a much much better job of kind of creating a mythos here than they're doing right now with the uh, you know Pirates of the Caribbean, which had some mermaids in the last one. But uh, Valkyrie Drive Mermaid the Complete Series, really really very creative, great artwork, pretty terrific. Prince of Stride Alternative The Complete Series, again a combo pack. Um, this is animated parkour. Now, um, Am- that's cheating. That's just cheating. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a little strange, but it's it's something that anime doesn't often do. But it's still not quite so. Th- I mean, the whole point of parkour is it is people really doing yeah. it. It's like CGI parkour it doesn't really do it for me. Um, but anyway, so um, you know, that's that's got a thing going. Um, you know, some of this stuff is just I. It's I guess if you you kind of jump from one anime to another it's probably a lot easier to to buy into some of this uh we got a couple of dragon ball z's here got dragon ball z kai uh the final chapters part one and part two which will make absolutely no sense whatsoever to anyone who has not followed uh dragon ball z from day one uh (laughs) seriously it's just it none of this stuff makes sense i i I had to sort of go on to the, the, the wiki pages because I, I was watching some of this. And, I, you know, I've watched it intermittently as I've had to review this stuff over the years. And occasionally yeah. I'll catch it on TV. And, you know, that's a cute scene. Honestly, you just go, I think I know. I No, I have no idea what's going on. So you go on to the wiki and you just learn a few things. And I, <laughs> that sort of made sense of it. But that said, I you know, I've never been hugely fond of the Dragon Ball thing. But um, a lot of people do. And lots of action here. I will say that. Snow White with the Red Hair, Season 2. If you didn't see season one, this also will not make any sense. I had to Wikipedia this one uh, as well, or anime wiki, whatever, it, whatever it's called. Um, this has nothing to do with Snow White, by the way. This is just you know using Snow White name to 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 for the hell of it. Uh, this is a uh, this is about a um, uh, young woman named Shira Yuki. Shira Yuki. So uh, she's an herbalist, and the whole thing is a, is a mythical journey deal, and it kind of didn't make any sense to me, and I Wikipedia'd it, and I, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's nicely drawn. Uh, here's something that is super, super cool. Grimgar, Ashes and Illusions, the complete series, uh, is a fascinating fantasy mystery, and it's really compelling. And it is this is some of the best written anime I've seen in a very, very long time the uh The whole idea here is that you you have you have a guy who wakes up in this new universe, this new world, and the people there have like collective amnesia about who they are, why they're there, et cetera et etc and that's an interesting twist to me because usually it's one person who has amnesia this is a like a whole society and um The way that this kind of mixes it up with, you know, the fantasy and and, uh, the supernatural really, really is quite fascinating. So um, really, really well written. Grimgar, G-R-I-M-G-A-R, Ashes and Illusions, the complete series. Pretty great. Really, really great stuff. So highly recommended that one. Uh, we also have another uh, One Piece. This is the gold movie. If you've been following the whole One Piece thing, this is this adds to the, you know, the, 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 don't even tempt this movie if you haven't been watching, like, you know, all 97 seasons of One Piece. It won't make any sense. This is strictly fan-oriented stuff, uh, and it really, really feeds it. It's better animation than the series. Much better animation than the series. Uh, this is weird. Free! Exclamation point. Iwatobi Swim Club, season one. Uh, this is more that... You know Japanese school stuff. I just don't get it. I I understand that you know there's a whole there's a whole kind of John Hughesy school culture going on with, with anime and uh, school stuff. I, I you know I just I don't I don't get it and I don't understand why the swim club is a thing. But okay, fair enough. It, <laughs> it, you know it's not, not for me. Uh, we oh we also have uh, One Piece Heart of Gold. Uh, which again is also for it's another you know one piece movie strictly for the uh, the one piece fans., uh, great animation. This is uh, mm, a little bit more of a cryptic storyline, but it's still good. Uh, Garo, the animation, season two, part two. Uh, this is some sort of the best animated. The, 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 it's still hard to follow if you haven't been following this from from day one, but the animation is really, really beautiful. Garo is just the end. the the artists for Garo really, really go to the wall., uh, they do a beautiful, beautiful job. And uh, this is, you know, again, a fantasy world. And uh, it's all about the golden armor and, you know, the uh, this kind of medieval, mystical Lord of the Ringsy thing going on. And um, it's great. It's, a, it's really creative. It's beautifully drawn, beautiful colors, uh, really, really elegant animation, really, really great. Really quite like it a lot. Uh, Dimension W, Season 1. This is a limited edition combo pack. Uh, of, the, uh, of the show that is set in a future where there are um, s- scientific and political entanglements between uh, alternate dimensions. And uh, this one guy named Kiyoma Mabuchi is a bounty hunter, and the whole thing kind of feels a little bit um, uh, Philip K. Dick. There's a little bit of Blade Runner. There's a yeah. little, you know, it's got a Phil K. Dick kind of feel to it, which is, which is all pretty cool. Uh, so you also get a um, uh, some artwork here that has character that has uh, like character art from the uh, the original Japanese uh, manga and some art cards and it's it's a it's a really really nice special edition. So Dimension W, not a bad show at all. Uh, real quickly, we have the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, the movie. Uh, this is a um, this is you know a little bit more of a kind of a noir mystery. Uh, pretty good. Seven Deadly Sins, Season 1, Part 1. This is, um, this is also okay. This is, you know a, um, uh, again, kind of a medieval thing, uh, a little bit of a medieval um, – it, it all borrows from European medieval stuff. Again, kind of very Lord of the Ringsy. y uh, GOSIK, G-O-S-I-C-K. It's not go sick. It's just GOSIK, the complete series, Part 1. Fantastic artwork, really fantastic. Uh, takes place in nineteen twenties. Beautifully, beautifully drawn. Very, very smooth lines. Uh, great colors. Very kind of muted, uh, muted tones. Really, uh, really kind of nineteen twenties noir drama. Very, very cool. Uh, I re- highly, highly recommend that one. And uh, then it, we've got End Ride Part 1, which is uh, all taking place you know, underneath the Earth's crust in, a, in interdimensional portals, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I couldn't give a lot of time to that one. It was really kind of confusing and made my brain bleed. And then uh, <laughs> Haru, Haruchika, Haruta, and Chika, the complete series. I practiced that. I still didn't uh, get it out uh, evenly. Uh, this is, you know, more. This is more kind of uh, school stuff, and it still throws me. They're they wearing the uniforms, and they got Japanese school politics, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I can't quite wrap my head around it. Uh, Shonen Made, The Complete Series. A little bit peculiar. Uh, not quite uh, as charming as I think they probably think it is. It's supposed to be comedy, I think it's supposed to be family comedy. (laughs) Really, really get that. And then the last two Divine Gate, the complete series, which is uh, another great fantasy world about you know, basically a a portal and the uh, you know, these these this whole kind of a mythical architecture in the in the universe. Um, really kind of like Stargate done anime style, really. And then lastly. This one I want to talk about from, for a second, because I could see them doing uh, live action of this, and this is a really unusual anime. Gangsta, the complete series, limited edition. And uh, you know, uh, the, just the title alone tells you yeah. everything you need to know. Which is the Japanese love to sort of uh, appropriate other cultural concepts for anime, America, they, American
1: cultural concepts, even uh, European, in, in, internecine. So, yeah. yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and um, and music the, and everything,
2: everything else. And so uh, this, t- you know, really imports a lot of uh, the American. The, you know sort of the American current urban crime culture into a uh, a Japanese crime narrative that is very very innovatively done, and uh, this comes with a whole bunch of you know other stuff there's like uh you know uh, like court coasters that come with this. I don't know who's going to use their Gangsta <laughs> Come Court Coasters when Company comes over. It's like, "Hey, you want to do my anime coasters?" But uh, that said still, um, it's really interesting. It's uh, it's a really kind of aggressive series and uh, I I think it's uh, I think I could see somebody doing a live action version of this possibly even here. So that's it. That's it for our uh, our anime spiel from Funimation. And then lastly, just a couple of a uh, couple of titles that are not from Funimation. Uh, from Shot Factory, we have Digimon Adventure Try period there's a period after the try reunion uh, uh digimon has been a thing from uh, shout factory and from um Synodyme for quite a while i gave up on following this quite some time ago because the whole you know digimon digital world thing just felt like a it felt like a like a science fiction thing that was probably cool in the first 3 years of the internet yeah and then it got old very quickly uh, jumping back at it it feels like it seems like they've changed a few things but it still doesn't uh, it still feels very 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 derivative and, and uh, I mean you know it looks good and they've improved the animation but uh, still doesn't really work for me still if you're a fan of it I'm sure you'll probably embrace it it's Digimon Adventure Try Reunion and then lastly from the great people at Viz is uh, One Punch Man pretty great pretty terrific This has six all-new shorts on it that are available only. This has never been on television. They are the so-called OVAs, OVAS. And uh, you you know what? I mean, this is just really great. Twelve episodes of terrific uh, anime action. Really, really great. Half of them, like I said, never been seen before. And um, you know, if you're not familiar with One Punch Man, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. Like just like great martial arts. So, there it is. All right, Tim, uh, shall we talk about new movies?
1: Do, do a little bit of new business over yeah, here, yeah.
2: Um,
1: you know, you know, in the more than 20 years now, closer to 25 years since Ice Cube, venerable
2: hip hop <laughs> rap artist, so turned turned into a family man, turned
1: into a family man movie star. Starting, he has, you look, it's weird. If you had told me this 25 years ago when I used to hang around, you know, in the hood. Yeah, you know, with the homies, yeah, including this dude, yeah, that he was going to be just a family man filmmaker. With it would have just blown me away.
2: I, uh, if, if, if I'd have told you, you know what, in twenty five years. Bill Cosby <laughs> is gonna be <laughs> is going be uh, on today. trial for 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 sex so, charges. So, yeah, you know. And Ice Cube is gonna be the new the new Cosby. He's, he's gonna be the, I,
1: he's gonna be the guy your kids are yeah. looking up to. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know. You know they, they they took us both away, but there it is. <laughs> Uh, Ice Cube, Charlie Day, the film is yeah. Fist Fight, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan's comeback film very, very good. Look, this is an okay little movie. Um, the premise is that uh, Ice Cube is, 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 a, is a high school teacher and Charlie Day is a high school teacher. Charlie mm-hmm. Day says something uh, inadvertently that gets uh, Ice Cube fired. Ice Cube challenges him to the you know, old school quintessential fist fight. They're going to they're gonna have a fight. You know, you, know, you know what the problem with this movie is? Hmm. They actually have the fight.
2: Ah, uh, see, that's it, not good. It, it, that's the, and that's the one thing that they should have, Everything Char- else in this movie. Charlie Day is a little too frenetic for me most of the time. I'd like for him to kind of dial it down from 11. He's at 11 most of the time. But still, I I like all these guys. You know, my favorite, look, that look, that look of Ice Cubes, how much money has he made <laughs> off that scowl? Whether he's looking at Kevin Hart, whether Whatever. he's looking at whoever it just, he's just That scowl. In. And, uh, you know, could I just say I love him in, in 21 and 22 Jump Street. Yeah. He is so unbelievably funny in yeah, those uh, movies. Of, of, that, of, of those adaptations, uh, they, they they did Chips not too long ago,
1: the yeah. Jump Street movies. They, you know, of those adaptations, it's the Jump Streets that actually Absolutely. work. Absolutely,
2: You know, that I, you know I, I, we had to cover uh, on Film Week uh, Baywatch as well, and I said that. The model for this whole thing is really the Jump Street movies, which are so funny. And, uh, you know, nobody else is really... Risen to that, Yeah, which is kind of neat. What do I got here? Um, you know, uh, uh, oh, kill them all! Kill them all!
1: Jean Claude, yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, Blu-ray, uh, kill them all! Jean Claude Van Damme still has the distinction of never uh, of never having actually spoke <laughs> a word of legible dialogue in a movie. Yeah, his entire it's... career. Not, no, no, no believable dialogue. Not once. Not ever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is Jean Claude with a gun again. Big massive s- shootout goes down. Uh, he's know. aging okay. I mean, yeah. he's got he's got some lines in his face, but, but he can still, move around, Gil. Yeah. He, he, he can jump around like a spider monkey, just like yeah. uh, just like he's, I mean, he's no he's no Keanu Reeves, but he gets around. He, he gets along okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, Jean Claude Von Dam in this thing. Uh, you, if you're into your Jean Claude, um, this is Mary, Mary uh, uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. I still love her. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. She, she Shouldn't have done the face work. What
2: are you going to do? It's fine. So, uh, Schwarzenegger trying to have a career again. I I, I kind of, you know, people are going to laugh at me for saying this, but I really think he should just direct. I really do. I think Arnold should stop being a movie star. And I say that I think the same thing about Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. I think these guys, they're in their 60s. Seriously, hang up the acting. You are both very talented filmmakers. Jackie was directing great movies in the, in the 80s and 90s, yeah. and then he stopped. Yeah. And, he's, and now, he just direct again. You're a great director. And Schwarzenegger, for those who don't know, is not a bad director. Yeah. Christmas in Connecticut, it's the only thing he's ever directed. The TV remake of Christmas in Connecticut is really cute. It really, really moves very,
1: very nicely. He has He has timing and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, 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 if, and, and certainly don't keep doing what you used to do. In the movies, which has to do with
2: muscles and, yeah. and uh, no. that you know that that guy's no. gone, that no. guy's gone no the pecs are drooping, but uh, in any case, aftermath is is okay uh this always makes me worry, inspired by true events, really uh vengeance is a journey with no return. oh, do we really really want to be putting Arnie into like another half baked warmed over death wish remake? I mean you know he lo- this is you know he loses his wife and daughter in a plane crash. And then you know we get into he he gets into the, the 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 he goes into the downward spiral of you know trying to put his life together again and that leads to vengeance and et cetera and so forth. Um, this is one of those grindstone things made for uh, Lionsgate Premiere. We talk about these every once in a while. Grindstone does all these kind of you know they're they're mostly movies with Steven Seagal. And uh, Nicholas Cage with guns that get released straight through Lionsgate premiere. It's all very, you know, macho and manly and whatnot. Mm. Uh, there was one with uh, Antonio Banderas, and uh, that we talked about on the radio as well. That recently, that was that was better than the usual. This is kind of maybe marginally above average for for Grindstone, but it's sad seeing Schwarzenegger go in that direction. Uh, also, want to make a quick mention of a couple other little. Uh, little action testosterone things or well one of them more estrogen than t- than, than <laughs> testosterone uh, but we'll get there uh, enter the Warriors gate uh, this is okay uh, this is you know a, uh, a a martial arts thing a kind of east-west uh, hybrid thing Hollywood martial arts mixed with uh, with Asian martial arts and uh, it feels a little bit confused and schizophrenic as a result. Uh, director Matthias Hona, who I guess is some kind of German director, uh, n- it, you know, he handles things well enough. But the, uh, you know, uh, on balance, what this is really trying to do is take Dave Batista, the WWE star, stick him in a movie with some, uh, some you know, uh, Asian martial arts stars and hopefully have something that'll travel across the uh, Pacific. Well, Dave I'm, Dave
1: has a little bit of heat because he's in those uh, gardens. He's the guy with the oh, yeah, right. Dave. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It's okay. I mean, if you like these kinds of movies, but uh, it's not really my speed. The Enter the Warrior's Gate. And then lastly, this film caught all kinds of heat. The Assignment with yeah, Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, man. So this I, is what I that one. This is what I mean by the estrogen. So basically, here's the deal. Uh, you, you, you got a guy who wakes up after a sex change, and now he's Michelle Rodriguez, and he's got to do, like he's got to track down the people that, that did yeah, it to him yeah. I, um,
1: which includes Sigourney Weaver among other people it's uh, kind of doing Hannibal Lecter in a wacky yeah, kind of way is,
2: this is Walter Hill still not quite coming to grips with the fact that it's not the 80s anymore uh, I don't even know if this would have worked in the 80s this no. just this just isn't really very this is just a, kind of a silly gimmick um, First of all, if 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 I were a guy and you did surgery on me
1: and I literally came out looking like Michelle yeah. Rodriguez, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I mean, if I literally look like her, uh, it been you know I'm like, yeah, yeah. What the hell? That's fine. And, and it's and and the thing of it is, just like a lot of gratuitous naked in this movie, I'm usually all for gratuitous yeah. naked, but it's like. It's like actually gratuitous. And, yeah. and I don't know, whatever, it's not good for me.
2: Yeah, well, anyway. Uh, it's a silly movie, uh but you know, it's Walter Hill for what that's worth. I mean, he's still out there trying to trying to make movies. I, yeah.
1: yeah. Hey man, the last the last, the last man standing. Uh, we
2: talked about Streets of Fire a few weeks ago. I mean, fire, I, mean, well, I still know? love that movie. I just I want that
1: Walter 48 hours. I want you, that guy you, back. You know, I I want know. him back. Um uh what do I have over here? Uh The Last Word. Sherilyn McLean, Amanda Seyfried movie. It's about this old lady uh, who hires this young woman to sort of write her life story, you know, to help her with, her, to help her, with her, uh, her, her biography. And she doesn't like the way it goes. She doesn't like the way she's sort of like coming off in it. So she sets out to sort of like straighten out the nature of her, of her, of her history and, and rewrite her life story. The, the most interesting thing about this um, is, is that it's a, a Mark Pellington film.
2: Oh, Mark Pellington. Yeah, uh, it's uh, such a promising Ar- career. Ar- Arla-
1: Arlington Roads. Uh, yeah, y- 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 you know, that's about twenty years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Henry Poole Sometimes in the yeah. middle two thousands. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It, it's it, it it has a beat or two to it that's kind of interesting. And Sheryl McLean is kind of like on her tour of uh, playing irascible old ladies. She's been doing it for thirty years, really. <laughs> uh, uh, she uh, really that, uh, didn't we give her? Didn't we give her an award just yeah. this last? Just last, this last year uh, uh, yeah. for
2: for the um uh, at yeah. uh,
1: uh, Dan Stevens, who is everywhere. Everywhere.
2: In, he's milking it because he understands yeah, he's can, not going to be able to milk it forever. It
1: can go away on you. Um, this this movie, The Ticket, of course, he's in Legion, the, you know, the one of the better. and Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast and all that kind which of stuff. Which we're going to talk about next week. This little movie, The Ticket, uh, which I saw for film week. Was, yeah, look, an interesting premise. You have this guy um, who is blind uh, and married to this beautiful woman. He has a good life where he does very interesting things. Um, he he gets his sight back uh...
2: through a set of events and he gets a sex change
1: uh, no, <laughs> no, no. not to look like michelle rodriguez oh, either okay. and uh... and then who he becomes after he gets his sight back it's what this movie is about how getting his sight back uh, turns him into a different kind of person uh... and then uh... you know something interesting happens after that audio commentary with the writer and director uh a trailer so not a whole lot on, in terms of special features it's an interesting so sort of, it, it's a particularly beautiful film to just watch that's what i will say m- most about it
2: so we got prisoner x which is a uh, which is a pretty decent uh kind of b level uh spy thriller uh or you know kind of uh age of terrorism spy thriller uh so you know, here's the thing. When I look at these movies, I always ask myself, okay, how obviously are you cutting corners to mm. make it look like you had a bigger budget than you really did? And many of them will take place, many of them like this one as well, will take place either substantially or completely in like an underground chamber like, well, there's a holocaust above the ground. We got we're stuck down here or we're in a military installation. There's zombies out there. They'll yeah. think of a they'll think they'll come up with some reason to sort of keep you in an enclosed environment and then bring the horror to you. And Others do a really, really good job of selling that so that you're not thinking, you just didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> so this is one of those that does a really, really good job of selling you on the idea they probably didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, so, you know, you got this underground prison, right, where they're, they're, they've are they're they got this terrorist, and they're holding him there, and um, there are things happening in the in the uh the the mm, I don't want to I don't want how, do how do I do this without giving it away there are things science fictiony things happening there are science <laughs> fictiony things that, that will happen and um that's going to have radical repercussions so anyway it's uh prisoner x very very interesting uh who is this who is this terrorist why are they holding him what does this mean for the world for the future for the past right mm-hmm. this kind of stuff so Anyway, it's very, very. Uh, it's it's a smarter film than you might think uh, for for a kind of a B level movie. Yeah, uh,
1: David Oyelowo and Roseman Pike in a United Kingdom, which is the actual true story based on the true story, as they say, of of uh, the, the the first president of Botswana. It's a whole complicated story about Botswana and yeah. what it was, and and and, and, he, and he was a young prince and all of this kind of stuff. And but he, you know, he went to he went to college in England and he met this woman who was just a shopkeeper and they fell in love. Uh, and and they got married. So then he took the white lady back to Botswana and told all of his people, this is your queen, the white lady from England. Didn't go down all that well, uh, believe it or not. But what's interesting is is that it's actually quite a happy story. This guy um, actually became the first president of Botswana uh, and was president for many, many years. Uh, And it's it's a successful story. You know the problem of this movie? Hmm. The problem of this movie is that it is less interesting than the story itself. You know, I went and read up all this yeah. on Wikipedia and all this kind of stuff. Then I had to see the movie. I had to see it for Film Week. And I thought to myself, I had much more fun reading this last night on Wikipedia is, than
2: I did watching the actual movie. That is consistently true for a lot of so-called fact-based movies because you you have to take this really interesting history and distill it into something that can be sort of told as a narrative. Like a friend of mine says, he goes – it's unfortunate that people don't live their lives in three acts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what he means is obviously that, which is that, you know, when you take a really interesting life, uh, it's really hard to distill that into a movie. And that's probably a case of that. I do find it interesting, though, that we're getting a lot of these movies now between this and loving mm-hmm. the idea of movies that are sort of centered around the idea of mixed race relationships and, you know, and the ones that, that, that actually sort that of work, work out beautifully, work out well. In a certain yeah. sort of way. Did yeah. you
1: see the sense of an ending? I did not. Oh man, this is this I really really like this movie and I, and I didn't think I didn't think that it, it, it got the attention that it should have particularly because of Jim Broadbent, Charlotte Rampling, too, Love of Jim, Jim Broadbent. It's a, it's a story about this older man uh, reflecting uh, 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 about his some relationships mm-hmm. and his life from 40 years ago in the 60s wow. so we, so we, so it's sort of divided bifurcated in that way. He has a memory of a relationship that he had and certain things that happened in that relation in that relationship. Um, the way he remembers it is not the way it is remembered by some other people who were involved in it. Uh, when he's a much older man, he gets a note uh, uh, that someone has passed away and that something has been left for him. And when he has to go back and engage Charlotte Rampling about all of that, the other person who was there these many years ago, what she remembers and what he remembers – and it's all about that, right? That's great. It's all about that.
2: Well, see, You got me excited now.
1: He, he, because he's sincere. He, you know, he, he, he sincerely misunderstood, and because of it, he really has lived his entire life not understanding who he is, who he has been as a human. He thinks he's been a much better human than he actually has been. It's a pretty good movie. I like it quite a lot. This is the DVD. Uh, uh, what do we got on here? Special features? Well, not not a whole, Not a whole lot. Doing mm-hmm. right uh,
2: you know, by a great book, because this was adapted from a book. That's about all this there, but I like it quite a lot. So, uh, Wolf, which releases primarily uh, LGBT fare, has a really interesting little film here that did well at some uh, some festivals. Uh, it's called Heartland. Now, there are about 35 movies out there called Heartland. So... This is the one that stars three actresses that you've never heard of: Laura Spencer, Valinda Godfrey, and Beth Grant. Um, it is, but it is. This is, a, you know, this is a, what I would like to call, and I hate having to say, this, this is more of a crossover film because mm. it's not just one of those lesbian films that's going to sort of be relegated to the LGBT uh, LGBT festival circuit. This actually has a really, really in, interesting um, human central thrust to it which is that you've got this woman who is you know who's her girlfriend has died she's completely you know racked with guilt uh, moves home and has all kinds of problems with her mother who still can't quite understand, you know, the relationship. And it, it 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 touches on a lot of really interesting issues that are both relevant to straight couples and straight families, gay couples, gay families, mixed families. It's very interesting. Uh, I thought it was very well written, very sharp, very smart, and uh, and quite well acted. So mm. uh, deserved all the attention that it got. Directed by Maura Anderson. Nice little movie.
1: Uh I have Love Song here. This is a very powerful also from uh, not that was from, that was not from that's not from Wolf. That's from Wolf. This was from Strand. Stran. Yeah. Um uh Love Song um uh Jenna Malone Riley Keough, in a very very powerful and 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 suspenseful yet emotionally sort of mature movie about these friends. Uh, and they have this friendship, and one of them is having a little bit of trouble with her husband. And then they go on this road trip together. They take the, one of them. They take the daughter, and there's a dynamic in their relationship, and it, it becomes very. And, 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 uh, there's a whole thing that goes on and it goes down. Boom, uh, they separate um, as friends for a number of years, and then they come back together again. When one of them is about to get married, uh, and then and then we see another very interesting. But you know what? It's not it's not like a thriller or a potboiler or anything like that. It's about real the real emotional beats that people have in their lives, that's, and sometimes relationships between friends can be it's as intense as relationships between husband and wife or wife and yeah. wife or whatever it happens yeah. to be. And that's what this is about. Very sophisticated little movie. Love song. Again, not a whole lot on it. Bonus interview uh, with the filmmaker and a trailer, and that's about it.
2: So here's a little movie that came and went and which everybody ripped on or ignored. And I'm going to champion this movie because I think this is a cool movie. Uh, This is from Kino Lorber and Film Buff. Uh, Film Buff, I think, released it theatrically, if I recall. Uh, Kino Lorber is putting it out on DVD in any case. Welcome to Happiness. I am totally keen on Welcome to Happiness. Uh, it is, it is really, really an odd movie. It is an unconventional movie. It's a, it's, it gets very, very, it, it goes into some really weird areas. And I'm kind of amazed that they even, they even got this thing funded. Um, film. it stars Kyle, uh, Galliner, who I quite like and who's starting to show up in more and more things. And
1: Olivia Thurlby, who I adore.
2: A- and Nick Offerman, and who's Nick always Offerman. funny. Yeah. So here's the thing. Kyle Galliner is a, a children's book writer. But he's not just a children's book writer. He has a, a weird job. His job is to, like, people will show how, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to keep this as, as, as quaint as I can. Um, people will show up at his door that he doesn't know, and they've been sent there. And then he has to, like, interview them. And after the interview, he escorts them into his closet, which has a little door in the back of the closet, and they go through that door. And he never knows what happens. All we know is that someone or something sends them to him, and it is his job to escort them through the portal that helps them correct mistakes in their lives. Mm. And as twee as that may sound, as sort of eye-rollingly pretentious... It's really an interesting little movie. It, it because again, this is one of those cases where they didn't have a lot of money to make the movie, but they didn't need it because they you know, it doesn't it doesn't need CGI, it doesn't need, you know, spaceships and monsters and the door is not like a Stargate portal to, you know, <laughs> some it's just it actually makes you reflect on a lot of interesting things, and I thought, I thought, you know what? Aesthetically, the film also goes in an interesting direction. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like any other movie that has this sort of a, this sort of a plot. I love, uh, I loved that it's an original concept, a totally original concept, uh, and I loved it. That
1: that's a debuting writer director. Yep, Oliver Thompson. Yep, uh, you know, and and yes, just
2: and just beautifully well done. I just, I really, I really thought this was a slick little movie. So, uh, look for that, please. Welcome to Happiness. Go and, and you know, give give this movie a shot. It's really, really worth the effort to discover it. It really is. Okay, uh, Tim, we got we got Foreign and Criterion left before we get to Virus. Um, let yeah. Let's let me let me uh, roll through just a couple other uh, standalone foreign films here, which are worth mentioning. Uh, this is one that made it around Outfest a little bit. This is from Breaking Glass Pictures. This thing is just kind of, you know, if uh, if Fifty Shades of Grey uh, felt too. Um, not explicit enough to you then you will you will thoroughly enjoy this there's actually i didn't even see this there's, there's there's a quote on the back here this is exactly what i was thinking uh the opening scene of this film makes fifty shades of gray or even its sequel look like mary poppins that is totally true the movie is uh utopians a film by scud <laughs> when you're when you go when you just go by one name and you and that name is scud uh <laughs> anyway this is a uh this is a cantonese lgbt film it is, uh, it is quite uh, explicit. It is very literate. It is uh, a little bit artsy and obscure. There's a whole tradition of this in Hong Kong cinema, uh, things that are that feel softcore and yet hyper arthouse, like almost to a Bergman Antonioni degree at the same time, and this is one of them. The, um, uh, a, a, it's very, very dreamy, beautifully shot, uh centers around uh you know a this this guy who is oh how would i put it he's um he is enamored of his professor and yet frustrated in life and this all kind of dovetails into sexual experimentation and i won't tell you anything else uh beyond that but it is extremely explicit so uh if that you know utopians Cantonese-language film by the director, who is only, only known as Scud. Uh, the Oscar-nominated Land of Mine by Martin Zandvleit is uh, a kind of standard-issue World War II film that always seems to get uh, nominated for, uh, for Academy Awards. The difference is that we're starting to get to a place now where people feel okay with movies that actually have sort of positive representations of, of Germans. Uh, or at least a positive representation of certain Germans and their plight during World War II. And uh, this is one of them. Uh, this is about a bunch of German POWs who were captured uh, in Denmark, and uh, they were given the, the job of clearing mines off of the Danish coast. And um, it's a very good film. I don't know that it's a great film, but it's a very good film, and I could understand why it, uh, why it was uh, one of the five finalists for the Oscars. So that's called Land of Mine, the... Land of Mine, Land of Mine, little mm. play on words Very there, clever there. Uh, and then uh, we also have Staying Vertical from uh, Strand. Another one this week from Strand. Staying Vertical is a um, a follow up to the movie Stranger by the Lake, which is uh, not one of my favorite films. So I I'm not necessarily really really well qualified to pass judgment on this. Uh, but it uh, it definitely is a follow-up. It's definitely in keeping in the same the same vein as uh, Alain, Alain Girodi's movie, Stranger by the Lake. Uh, if you're familiar with Stranger by the Lake, you'll probably like this. If you're not, you'll kind of probably find it somewhat pretentious. The one I really, really want to talk about this week is a fantastic, amazing Blu-ray from Film Movement Classics who keeps releasing wonderful movies. Film Movement Classics... Fulfilled one of my lifelong dreams, and they released *The Best Intentions* on Blu-ray a mm. few months ago, which won the Cannes Film Festival in 1992, my first year there, which was the second Palme d'Or for uh, Danish director Billy August. Billy August's first Palme d'Or, and he is one of a very few people who has won two. His first Palme d'Or, and Ken Loach, by the way, just won mm. one. You know, yeah. a year ago, uh, got his second. Uh, Billy August's first uh, Palme d'Or was Pella the Conqueror, and that is now on Blu-ray. And Pella the Conqueror is such an amazing, beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, really one of the great films of the past 30-some years. I cannot recommend it enough. Arguably one of the two or three best performances of Max von Sydow's career. Absolutely gorgeous film, beautiful and powerful. The uh, The idea here is it's basically centers around the relationship of a father and his son. An old farmer... Uh, who's just, you know, really, he's al- almost used up all of his life. And um, this takes place during a particular time in the past when they, when there were, um, when lots of Swedes were, when, when a certain poor Swedes were going from, you know, rural Sweden where they, were, they, were, they just couldn't make a, make a living and they couldn't farm and they were going to Denmark to try and find a new life. And especially in this case, this island, this Baltic island of Denmark. And uh, this is about how they try to begin their new life and what transpires. And it is just beautiful and touching and poetic and gripping and horrifying all at the same time. It's a fantastic film. Commentary on here by Peter Cowie, um, who who I've met a couple of times. It was just wonderful, great commentary. And an essay, uh, really a beautiful Blu-ray. This thing's been on DVD twice previously. Neither of them looked very good. Neither of them were timed properly. This is finally... Finally, for the first time since the film was released theatrically, the first time you will be able to see this film look and sound the way that it was meant to. It is fantastic. Pella, <laughs> the Conqueror by Billy August, outstanding.
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on top of this uh, Terry Zwigoff's uh, Ghost World. Yeah, here. I filmed the Criterion. Really, yeah, and because it's thick is full of all kinds of things here um, uh, on the Criterion collection, 2001 film, uh, young Scarlett Johansson, young Thor Birch, of course, and uh, and and um, Steve Buscemi. Uh, about these uh, young, young young high school girls who were just getting out of high school and they're kind of weird themselves and they spend most sort of their time just sort of like messing has with... That's a great Bollywood sequence. Yeah, you know, messing but, with yeah. these creepy guys and they get, them, they get involved with Steve Buscemi. Anyway, this is the director-approved Blu-ray special edition and it features, you know, aside from the new uh, restored 4K digital transfer uh, supervised by Terry, uh, 5.1 surround, an audio commentary featuring Terry... Uh, and the comic, and the you know, comic, just all kinds of stuff here, uh, and some extended excerpts from um, uh, a couple of uh, a couple of different films from 1960. So this is just a, a completely packed. Uh, criterion Collection for Ghost World. It looks great. It's a neat movie, and frankly, I like watching. This is when I was really nuts about Scarlet.
2: <laughs> Uh
1: the Scarlet who came out of uh, what was the wonderful Coen Brothers film, uh, the Old Man Who wasn't there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that black and white film. You know that. Um, uh, um, um, all the pretty horses. Uh, yeah, I think was the other. Yeah, that, you know, people forget she's been a movie star for oh, a, a long, long, time. long time. Long
2: time. Uh, so, anyway, uh, really good stuff there. Ghost World. That's great. Terry's Wygoff. Wish he'd do more movies. Also from Criterion, we have uh, Jacques Odiard's Now, Jacques Odiard did uh, uh, A Profit, yeah. which really became his big breakthrough around the world. An amazing movie. And Deepan just uh, amplified his 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 career. It wound up winning the Cannes Film Festival. So that's two Palme d'Or winners we have this week. Mm. Uh, Deepan won two years ago. And uh, it was a little bit of a controversial winner. Some people didn't think it was quite so deserving. But Deepon, I think, is a really significant film uh, in this sense, that what Jacques Audiar is doing here is um, it's a French film, ostensibly. But what it really is, it's the story of a uh, a, a family of Sri Lankan uh, refugees. One, one of whom is a Tamil yeah. tiger, is a yeah. tiger or yeah. warrior. A you know, warrior. Which it, is controversial in of In and of itself. And and to me that's interesting because we had the French Oscar nominated Mustang a couple of years ago as well, which is you know, is about girl Turkish girls. Yeah. And I find it fascinating that French movies, which have always historically been very, very much rooted in French culture, are now telling stories. About other cultures, about immigrants to France, their French directors going to other countries and telling stories about other countries. French filmmakers have suddenly gone global well, in, a, in, in the, fascinating way, and they've way. gotten out of, uh, frankly, out ahead of the rest of French culture. Yeah. In, in, in
1: a very odd sort of way. Had this been the case in, in terms of all of French culture, not just the filmmaking yeah. over the last 25 years, had there been this embracing of French yeah. culture, then we probably wouldn't be seeing some of the problems Correct. That, that
2: we've, you know, yeah. and so, that yeah. I saw 30 yeah. years ago when yeah. I lived there. Uh, lots of extras on here. This is really, really just loaded with extras. Audio commentary from 2015 uh, with Jacques Odiar and his co screenwriter. Uh, new interview uh with ODR and with uh the actor in the film, which is just wonderful. There's deleted scenes. I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty terrific. So that's the Blu-ray of Pond. And then as we're nearing, did the... he write Rust and Bone, ODR? Uh, yes.
1: Because that was that yeah. was that was another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty great. Matthew, uh, Mateus, uh, or yeah, Matthias Schonert.
2: Yeah, Matthias Schonert, and and yeah. yes, and, uh, and uh, yeah, 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 beautiful, yeah. yeah. Just just call her beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Unless she's in that Brad Pitt movie. (laughs) It's just horrible uh anyway here we go this is fantastic criterion has now released uh, the second of the martin scorsese's world cinema project uh box sets these are this is uh, a kind of a rare thing for criterion these days everybody might remember that they for a while they were releasing blu-ray dvd dual format editions and then that didn't really fly so they just scaled it back and they went back to just separate dvds and blu-rays so you don't get the, the dvd with the blu-ray anymore not so here this is dual format And uh, some wonderful movies here. In Siang, which is a Tagalog film from uh, 1976. Mysterious Object at Noon, uh, which is a Thai film from 2000. Revenge, which is a Russian movie from 1989. Uh, Limit, uh, which is a 1931 silent film that will blow your mind. And I had never heard of it or seen it before. Absolutely amazing. Law of the Border. Which is a uh, Turkish film from uh, 1966, and lastly, the amazing, the wonderful uh, Taipei Story from 1985, which is uh, just absolutely poetic beyond all belief. Um, uh, these are some really, really terrific films here. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend
1: specifically uh, the, the, the the Lino Braca film Insang. Yeah, um, he's a Filipino director. And and as you would know, one of the one of the few Filipino directors, probably the first yep. to ever do that that con. He's, right? he's like
2: yeah, he, I mean he's he's
1: like he's the, the, only the only one, right? right now. The yeah. Only. yeah. Uh and and of course, uh his films were mostly about kind of think the things that went on during the Marcos regime. I was in the Air Force during the Marcos regime. Yeah. I was actually stationed in the Philippines. Oh, no Air Force at Clark Air Force Base. Oh wow. Yeah. Um I was I was at Clark uh in Subic. When that volcano uh, went off no and wiped out those two Air Force, but in any case, this guy uh, was, was you know, who died in like the early nineties or something like that was a huge and very important filmmaker that people talked about uh, him running for president way back then. Wow! Uh, but that's but you know that's what he so that's what he did. Well,
2: yeah, I, I, I'm also going to recommend uh, Mysterious Object at Noon, which is by Joe. We just call him Joe in the film uh, film critic world because. Actually, pronounced. When we get together, you know, look, this is how it is. When whenever Joe comes out with a new movie, and Joe is also a a, a, uh, a can uh, palm door winner with uh, Uncle Boon-Me. Uncle oh, Uncle Boon Boon Boonmi, who uh, can
1: who can talk to his the, past day. lives? His yeah, past, yeah. Could So
2: it, yeah. Joe's real name is Apichatpong Weerasakul. Apatchapong, we're a Sikathul. So let's say we're in a voting meeting, and somebody wants to give three points to Apatchapong. <laughs> we're uh, Joe, just <laughs> Joe, and it's much easier to say Joe because otherwise the meeting will last five hours. Yeah. Uh, Thai names, Russian names, you know, there are just certain there, German names can yeah. go this way too. Certain countries, you're not doing the world a favor with the long names. So we're, like, we're just going to give you, you nicknames. Of, it's
1: just the consonants. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's just too many.
2: I have a problem with Thai names, mm-hmm. I, but I love Thai filmmaking, and and Joe is a great filmmaker, and uh, that's a really good one too. So yeah. this is a great box set. This is just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will not regret uh, adding this to the collection. So uh, to wrap out before I let Tim kind of uh, oh, yes. go off on virus. Yes, 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 yes. The, 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 uh, uh, You go ahead and finish. Those. Me, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just a couple of we got a couple of giveaways here, courtesy of uh, Welgo. Welgo is just being wonderful to us. We've got five copies of Sky on Fire, fantastic action film and three copies of Operation Mekong. You can, you, can, you can apply for each of these. Just send us an email with Mekong, M-E-K-O-N-G, in the subject line and your name and address in the body of the email. Mekong uh, in, the, in the subject line if you want to uh, be considered for one of the three Mekongs. And send one to Sky, S-K-Y, if you want to be considered for one of the five copies of Sky on Fire, which we will send out courtesy of Wellgo. Gods at digigods.com. Please make sure that we get these time dates stamped uh, no later than the 9th of June, 2017. And uh, these are both really terrific action films. Got to tell you, really terrific. Operation Mekong is just, uh, it's fantastic. If you don't know, you know, the Mekong is, of course, a a uh, a river and, you know, going all the way back to Vietnam. But uh, this is just a, this, you know, this is there's a whole kind of Chinese um smuggling angle going on here. And uh, there were like a couple of you know ships that were ambushed on down the Mekong River, et cetera, et cetera. Forget about it. doesn't matter. All you gotta know is this is a whole it's a whole drug smuggling angle and a lot of action and uh, guys with guns and it's nonstop and it's really, really well done and it's a whole lot of fun. And uh then a sky on fire is a really, really, really smart thriller, uh an action thriller that uh stars the amazingly cool Daniel Wu who mm-hmm. we will talk about again in just a moment. And who, of course, into is in, the into the Badlands, Badlands yeah. with our friend Sherman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Wu. On Into the Badlands is pretty rough. Here, here he's polished up and uh, and slick, and he's looking all kinds of cool. But he is still a great action star here. Um, and this is this get. It's a little bit of a you know the the there's a the MacGuffin here is a little bit silly. The Hitchcockian MacGuffin. I won't tell you what it is. Uh, but once you get over the fact that it doesn't really matter. You know, some medicine thing. Forget about the medicine. Uh, once you sort of get into the uh, the machinations of the story and the ins and outs and, uh, you know, who's who's going to who's gonna win this big, giant uh, battle of wits in this cat and mouse game that gets really, really intense by the end and some great, great action stuff, uh, you're good. It's called Sky on Fire. Got five copies. So gods at digigods.com. Send us an email. Uh, name and address in the body of the email. By the 9th of June with either Sky or Mekong in the subject line, and uh, we, will, uh, we will send you out. We'll let you know over the weekend if you want, and we'll send you out your, uh, your Blu-rays. All righty, all righty, righty. All right, Tim, so segging, segging into our John Bruno interview, let's talk about Virus. Yeah, because well, we
1: do have the interview, and John and, John and, and, and Sherm will do themselves well in there. Virus is a 1999 film adaptation of a graphic novel. What's interesting about it is that it's one of the early um, uh, it's right at the beginning of this sort of like adapting graphic novels, adapting graphic novels uh, for feature films, it's one of the early ones. Uh, John Bruno, of course, as we said at the top of the show, uh, primarily known as a great special effects guru, particularly, uh, practical special effects, uh, which you'll talk about during our interview. This movie's pretty neat. Uh, this movie stars, uh, 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 Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland, Billy Baldwin, and uh, our good friend Sherman Augustus, uh, in the film. They shot it, I believe, in, uh, South Carolina, mostly, all all across the coast. The, the, the storyline... Of the graphic novel is an alien intelligence works its way through a satellite, beams itself from the satellite down to this Russian, uh, 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 this Russian scientific ship, a a tug trawler which just lost its cargo in a hurricane, comes across this Russian trawler, boards the ship, intends to simply take it in for salvage, but what do they find? this alien intelligence, and Joanna Pakula, I had forgotten that Joanna Pakula was in this movie, the very beautiful Joanna Pakula uh, in this movie, and and this alien intelligence which is basically taking the bits and pieces and parts of the ship and the humans, smashing them together into these uh, these sort of monsters that John Bruno had to build, which is the best part of this movie, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's it's kind of a neat thing, uh, my friend not being in it notwithstanding, this DVD uh, this Blu-ray is just jam-packed with everything you can possibly think of, audio commentary behind the scenes this that and the other thing with just about everybody in the movie it's a lot of fun and uh you know there's a whole sort of uh class of genre folks who love this film the comics but the dark horse comic books that it comes from it's kind of neat that we know these guys and they made a a wicked movie that's uh see 1999 that makes it what uh 18 18, years old 18 years old wait wait it, it blows me away that sherman our buddy sherman yeah who jumps around in in, in that movie, in, in that television series, Into the Badlands, like a spider monkey, right? So when you watch Sherman in that, that's all him. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's, you know, swords and, and, and it's and, kind of
2: sick how ageless he is.
1: It just, he, he, yeah. he gets along pretty good there. Uh, and, uh, watching him in that movie is a lot of fun too. So anyway, uh, anyway. we'll, we'll let them talk about it.
2: So here we go. Here is our interview with Sherman Augustus and John Bruno. Tim and I are here talking with John Bruno, director of virus, which is now out on Blu-ray, yeah. a, uh, a cult classic now, which is incredible. It feels like it just got released, uh, yesterday it's, or it, a few it, years it's, ago.
1: It's a really cool thing. I have to, I have to, uh, uh, very good friend of ours. Yes. Uh, Sherman Augustus uh, is in Virus. Yep. Directed by John. John, say hello to the folks. Hello everyone. Out of the <laughs> DigiGuide world. Uh, and Sherman is in Virus. John directed Virus, and Sherman <laughs> did me a solid by hooking us up with
2: John. Yes, he did.
1: Uh, to be able to talk about to be able to talk about the release of, of Blu-ray. So anyway, twi- um, uh, what what year anniversary of this is? It's 1999, right? If I'm not mistaken, Virus.
0: So that's. Uh, I keep thinking it was 1998, but. Uh, because you guys were shooting in 98. Well, we were shooting... You know, well, it's, it's 18,
2: years, 18, 19 years so yeah. that's... that's, that's <clears throat> uh, it's at least 19. Years. And, John, <laughs> you, you go deep as far as genre films. I mean, you yeah. go back to Poltergeist and Ghostbusters, and you come up right. all the way... You, you, you've been with James Cameron as a special effects person for right. 28 years. Right. And uh, so, you know, you're, you go deep in this genre. If, you know, Comic-Con people, they know your name.
0: Yeah, for... Yeah, it seemed like forever... Uh, Every, every film I was working on was films that were released in the summer. So, you know, they're always big. They're always, you know, the films that end with explosions. <laughs> <laughs> um, films that begin with explosions. <laughs> and end with explosions. Films that end with explosions. <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
1: explosions. Um, walk us back a little bit because you, uh, uh, practical effects, you were a practical effects guy. Well, that's... explain what that is, as opposed to some of this other uh, CGI stuff, that, which much a lot of effects now are CGI. So explain the difference between what you were doing back then and now, and uh, and what goes on a lot now.
0: Well, I mean, my my background initially was animation. So uh, one day uh, I I got in line to see this film, Star Wars. I had ten years in animation. I saw this movie, and I walked out of the theater, turned around and walked got in line again to see it again because I wasn't sure what I saw. Nah. I didn't know how any of that was done, and I thought, I want to do that. Whatever, I don't care what, I want to do that. And I got uh, and right after that, I, 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 got, I got hired uh, to do the movie Heavy Metal with Ivan Reitman as a producer, and I, had, I moved to Montreal, did that film, and while I was there, I... Uh, Richard Edlund, who was the visual effects supervisor of Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back yeah. Was showing Empire Strikes Back at the Canadian Film Board. And I walked in and I said to Richard, hi, my name's John. I'm an animation guy. I want to do what you do. And he says, here's my card. Give me a call. So I ended up in Los Angeles doing post on heavy metal. And I called him, and he says, "Well, come on down to, to come over to MGM. We're posting. Um, we're posting Raiders of the Lost Ark." Oh wow! So I go down there, and I meet. I'm sitting in Steven Spielberg's office. Spielberg, Spielberg walks by. Uh, George Lucas walks by, and there's a poster that says, "From the producers of Jaws and Star Wars." The makers of *Star Wars*, That uh, *Star Wars*. Um, *Raiders of the Lost Ark*, and I thought I don't belong here. And I was, but I, I swear to God, I, I had a reel under my arm. I, I got up, I was going to leave, and Richard <laughs> came in and says, oh, "Is that you want to show that reel?" And I said, "Yeah." So I went in, showed them the reel, and they hired me to set up the animation department at ILM. Wow! Which was the first, de- which was *Poltergeist*, uh, *Star Trek 2. Jedi and ET, wow. so I ran that department. Wow! And Richard left uh, to come to LA, and we we started Boss Films. That was with, with Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's my short story. Well, it's great. And, and of course,
1: the, the, the technology we're talking about from, from back then is completely different yeah. than the technology so, of today.
0: So uh, yeah, all those uh, what I learned at ILM from uh, Richard and all the guys there, which is a Perfect team. I, I I looked at it as I got to go to school, and was being paid to go to school. So we, but the goal from everybody and everybody's mind was photorealism. How do we do photorealism? So if you couldn't if you couldn't do it for real in camera, you really the scenes were very short. I mean the po- shots in Poltergeist are eleven frames, mm. eighteen frames. The longest one is thirty one frames. Mm. Yeah. Today they're two minutes. Yeah. But. Um, and they did, you know, the, the imploding house was a big model turned on its back and pulled through cables down through a hole in the ground. And we animated glass and flickers and the like. Um, so I came up through that. And then we, the first job that we had, um, and, and then the closet was a little miniature door. I think it was like two and a half feet in, mm. in Poltergeist the lights come so in order to get light bright enough, in order to get debris thrown in at the right scale. It was, but it was in camera. That was always the, the point. And then uh, I, uh, when Richard went to uh, Open Boss Film in Los Angeles, it was 65 millimeter, meaning that's four or five times larger than regular 35 film. Um, you, you had better opportunity to do a lesser... An almost invisible matte line. Mm. So, because uh, I became, you know, we called it the chemical process of blue screen, chemicals. Um, so, if we, couldn't, if we thought we couldn't get a good composite, we'd just shoot a model or a miniature. Ghostbusters shows up and they said, The goal from Ghostbusters, we have 10 month, in 10 months, this movie will release. How do we get it done? That was, okay, then it's models and miniature. We're going to have a guy in a suit. I was going to say, this is, <laughs> I'm thinking think of the whole thing when, when, when the stay pop there was, there was no digital. i got to think of that. Yeah. So, but a guy in a suit uh, against a blue screen. We're going to have a terror dog. We're going to have the, the, goat, the, the, any ghost was just shot against black and, and, and we call it the, and DX or cross dissolved in, into a background. Transparent you know no no mat line problem Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that movie and then with the animation. We did um, the explosion of the building with it was a 15 foot section of the Of the the building that exploded for real at high speed, so I learned all of that And I guess I guess if anybody wants to learn anything this is animation is what? Animation rhythm timing and understanding how much you see in eight frames Mm -hmm. um, is very important so that movie, of course, Jim Cameron then cast Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Alien aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, we started talking about, because he, he did practical play. Aliens is really, you know, full-size mm-hmm. queen, uh, a puppet queen, four feet tall, mm-hmm. three feet tall. I redid that in Alien vs. Predator, but at four feet, four-foot puppet, in camera, and a Nine foot tall puppet of uh, sixteen foot tall puppet uh, of the queen uh, in Alien versus Predator, and then every, everything we couldn't do with that was animated wow. digitally. So the queen, the queen,
1: the queen, and Cameron's alien was a four was foot full tall, the si- pu- no, full size puppet, full size. Okay.
0: And when it had to move, it was a rod puppet.
1: That Frank Oz type thing, yeah. the guys beneath the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great.
0: So. There was no, again, there was no digital. Um, but it was better without digital. Like
2: really, it, you know, you don't, you're not But sort it's of photography.
0: Of, the, 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 yeah. the difference is, even today, I, I still recommend in the film it, within a, uh, things within a budget. Uh, the Abyss was five, uh, we had, uh, the only thing digital in the Abyss was, was the uh, water tank. But the submarine, were the different scales of, of full size practical. 40 foot section, a 40 foot submarine um, shot in water, mm-hmm. um, a 14 foot submarine shot on a smoke stage, the sub chase with flatbed and deep core. Uh, flatbed was about five feet radio controlled in, in a swimming pool that we milked up to make it look mm. hazy. Um, Nothing wits except for the first the first really to me it's surprising and satisfactory case of something looking photo real with the water.